Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Well, the title of my message this morning is Please Remain Seated. We're going to be on a little roller coaster. Keep your hands and feet inside the cart at all times. You know, and wait for the captain to turn off the, you know, the seatbelt sign before you get up. No, please remain seated. Uh, that'll make a little bit more sense to us, I think, as we go along today. But we're going to jump in in Ephesians. Come on, Ephesians. You know, when doc, you know how doctor gets excited when, about Hebrews? I get excited about Ephesians. That's, Ephesians is my book, uh, and so I love it. I read it all the time. I'm actually working on trying to memorize the whole thing, so... Um, it's just that important to me, and I love it. But, um, you know, I've heard Brother Hagen talk about it. I heard Dr. Dufresne talk about it. I heard, obviously, Dr. Jacobs talk about it for years and years and years. This uh, scripture that we're going to start here, it's a prayer in verse, um, where are we at? Verse 17. You guys got that? There we go. Start, I'm reading the New King James unless we say otherwise here, but uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, this is a prayer, and he says this, uh, he prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power Toward us who believe. You ought to pray that for yourself every single day. And I can tell you from experience, when you begin to do that, you will see the word in a completely different light. Right? And pun, with me, puns are always intended. If you know me, you know dad jokes are my forte. Um, So when I say, you know, he's telling us to be enlightened, right? You're going to see the word in a different light when you pray this passage of scripture. It just opens you up to a freshness of revelation that I don't think you can get into without this praying this prayer. It's important enough that the Holy Spirit told Paul to write it down for us to pray it, right? And so I think it's so important that we pray this over and over, that God would teach us who He is. That's really what you're praying when you pray that. Teach me who Jesus is and teach me what He did for me and teach me now what I have because of that. That's what you're praying when you pray that, amen? This exceedingly great power toward us who believe. Now, so that's what he tells us to pray. Now, at the end of verse 19, it says, according to the working of his mighty power, and he's going to tell us what God did in Jesus now, okay? So, starting in verse 19, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things, everybody say all, all all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now keep going because there's no chapter and verse in the original, right? This is a letter. So he, wasn't, he is not changing gears on us. So now in verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, he switches gears a little bit to tell us about the mess we found ourselves in. <laughs> That's what this first part's about. And you, he made alive, it says, who were a jacked up mess. 
If we're honest, we were, right? All of us. We were jacked up mess, it says, who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I mean, you know, if you're dead, there's not much, there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot going on there, right? It's kind of a bad situation to be in. He says, you're dead in trespasses and sins in which you, in which you once walked. Praise God, we don't anymore. But we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. In other words, he said There's no, there was no difference between you and the jacked up mess that's going on outside these doors. No difference between you and the mess that you see on the news every night. No difference between you and the mess you see on every TV show and, and uh, you know, celebrities. There, there's no difference between where the mess you are in and the mess they're currently in. You can think you were better than that, but let me let you in on a little secret. You weren't. You were a mess, right? Just like they're a mess. So that ought to give you a little bit more compassion for the lost, right? It ought to cause you to judge them just a little less harshly because, but for the grace of God, there goes you. Amen. If it weren't for Jesus, you might not know if you're a boy or a girl either. Right? You might be confused if it weren't for Jesus. So he's telling you all the, he's, he's trying to get you in the right perspective to know you were messed up and you needed some help. But here's the good news. But God. Man, you put those two words before anything. Right? Changes the whole situation. But God. You were a mess, but God. Who is rich in mercy. He's not lacking in mercy. Amen. Mercy is just us not getting what we do deserve. You know, whenever, you know, when Emmett acts up and I, I tell him we're out somewhere, I was like, you know, when you get home, son, you're getting it. You know, straighten him out real quick. And so, you know, put, put the fear of God in him. And when we get home, dad's a little bit of a pushover. And sometimes I follow through on that. Sometimes I don't. And, you know, if a long time's elapsed, you, you know, and he was good after that. Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes I'll let my mercy, you know, override, you know, a multitude of sins. And um, so, I, you know, I may let him off a little easier. He didn't get what he deserved, in other words, right? Thank God God does that to us. Aren't you glad you don't get what you deserve? Hallelujah. God is rich in mercy, not lacking at all in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Praise God. He loved us. He loves us. He loves you more than you can possibly comprehend. Whoever you love most in this world, God loves you more than that. Amen. God loves you. And because of his great mercy, because of his great love, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, when you were a jacked up mess, right, even then he made us alive together. Everybody say together. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together. You ought to write that word down, together. Underline it in your Bible. He raised us up together. He made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That or so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. His kindness is toward us because we're in Jesus. Not because you're something special. Right? Like doctor says, there's no big shots in the kingdom. Jesus is the only big shot. The rest of us are little shots, right? 
Amen. And so we're just, uh, you know, praise God that you're in, if you're in Jesus, you get the kindness of God. Not because of you, because of Jesus. Amen. But, but he wants to show his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. But I want you to see something here that when Jesus was raised up from the dead, God sees it as you were raised up from the dead. When Jesus was seated in a place of authority, it says he sees you as being seated in the place of authority. Now, how could that happen? You weren't even alive, right? That was, that was 2,000 years ago. Nobody in this place was alive then, right? None of you. And so, but, but looking ahead, how many know God knows everything? So looking ahead, he saw you and he saw me and he said, I know they're going to receive what Jesus did for them in the future. And so when he saw Jesus raised up from the dead, he saw you raised up from the dead. When he saw Jesus seated, he saw you seated. Amen. You know, what happened to Jesus physically happened to us spiritually. So we weren't literally nailed to a cross. Jesus literally was. His body was nailed to the cross. But it says, God tells, says that he sees us as nailed to the cross from a spiritual perspective. Right? Jesus physically died and Jesus was physically raised from the dead. And while we didn't physically die and physically raised from the dead, spiritually speaking, God saw us die and be raised to new life. Right? Physically, Jesus was seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. We just sang about it. Thank you, Brother Anzi, for hooking me up. I love it. Um, He's one of my favorite singers, by the way. I told, I told Dr. Jacobs in the back, so we got the Dr. Jacobs all-star team up here this morning. Uh, you know, Tiffany and Jess and Angie, I mean, it's worth the price of admission, amen? <laughs> Glory to God. But what happened to Jesus physically happened to us spiritually, together, together. That word together doesn't mean like we'll go to lunch together. We're going to be in the same place at the same time. It means literally in this, like, union, can't be separated together, brought up together, seated together, right? Like you can't separate the two. Like if you brought, you know, if I brought a cup of sand, let's say, you know, Jason and I and our families, we went to the beach on vacation together, okay? And I I come home with a cup of sand from Destin, Florida, right? And Jason comes home with a cup of sand from Destin, Florida, and we pour them together in a bowl, and then I give that bowl to Andrew, and I say, now, Andrew, I want you to separate my sand from Jason's sand, How many know that's physically impossible, right? Because it's exactly the same down to the finest detail. In the same way, we've been put together, amen, and brought into union with Jesus so that God sees no difference between you and him. That's hard for a religious mind to grab hold of, but it's the truth. The Bible says that, that we've been made, brought into union with him. By his blood, we've been brought near. Amen? And so we've been made into the family of God and, and brought into union, into oneness with Jesus. It's kind of like this. If you, um, Most of you have probably seen a pregnant lady, right? Yeah. Some of you may have been a pregnant lady at some point, right? Um, but if you've seen a pregnant lady and there's a baby growing in her belly, everywhere that that mama goes, the baby goes. Baby ain't going anywhere without the mama as long as it's in the belly. Right? So everywhere the mama goes, the baby goes. If you want the baby to go somewhere other than the mama, the baby got to leave the mama. <laughs> right? Everywhere the mama goes, baby goes. Mama gets on an airplane, baby gets on an airplane. Right? Mama goes to the basement, baby goes to the basement. Same way, when we got in Jesus, when Jesus got raised up, 
and seated, you and I are in Jesus, so now we're raised up and seated. Where he goes, we go. What he has, we have. What he can do, we can do. Not because of you and me, not because we're special, not because we're a big shot, but because Jesus bought and paid for it. Amen. When God sees Jesus, he sees you. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. I mean, you might have seen twins, and it's hard to tell them apart if you don't know them well. Identical twins, right? And, and, and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. How many times has he got to say it to us? You're not a sub-heir. You're a joint heir. You are a co-equal heir with Jesus. If Jesus has access to it, you have access to it. There is nothing off limits for you and I unless it's off limits to Jesus. If Jesus has the access, you and I have the access. Anybody ever seen the Mission Impossible movies? I like those. Those are some of my favorites, right? The thing, with the, the thing about the Mission Impossible movies, you know, they, they always, they're sneaking in somewhere all the time. Uh, and they got the mask and they look like they're the person that's supposed to be there even though they're not supposed to be there. And they go to the, uh, you know, they'll go up to some computerized thing and, you know, it's always, a di- it's not just like you push a few buttons and you get in. Right? It's always like, well, we need your, you know, six pints of your blood. And, you know, it's always some big, you know, we need your handprint. And we need your eye scan. And we need all this. So they have to go, like, above and beyond. So they had to get a, you know, a little thing to put in their eye. And they have to get the handprint so their handprints match. And then they've got the face going and all that kind of thing. But what happens is when they walk up to the door and they use the handprint that they've got from the other guy that's supposed to be there, and they use the retina scan from the guy that's supposed to be there, and, and, and they use the face so they get past the security, right? When they do all the things that has to be done, they suddenly have access to something that they weren't supposed to get into. You have on a Jesus mask and a Jesus retina and a Jesus DNA and a Jesus fingerprint, and when you walk up to the get access into heaven, it says we can now come boldly, boldly. You don't have to sneak in by the back door. You don't have to call ahead and get reservations. All you got to do is walk in because now you're wearing the Jesus suit. You're in Jesus, and if Jesus can get in, I can get in. I'm not held back. Praise God. We have access by him. Amen? So once you're in Jesus, you're in the body. We are where he is. We have what he has. Colossians um, chapter 3. We're going to read this in the Passion Bible because I just love how it says it. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Don't get much plainer than that. Amen. If you need help with that, we're going to have to pray for you. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. So we just read in Ephesians that when Jesus was raised up and seated, we were raised up and seated. So if Jesus is raised up, verse 1 again, if Jesus is raised up and seated in this, enthroned in this place of all power and honor and authority, let me let you in on a little secret. You're seated in a throne, enthroned in a place of all power and honor and authority. Now, Brandon, you sound like you're talking like you're Jesus. I'm not Jesus, but I'm in Jesus. And Jesus is in me. 
Doesn't get much more together than that. Amen. If you're in something and something's in you, you, I mean, you know, you're not really, it's going to take you a little while to get that situated. Amen. Ain't pulling that apart real easy, Brother Sean. Right? So he says for us to, uh, he says what is his is ours. His resurrection is your resurrection. I'm not trying to get raised from the dead. I'm already raised from the dead. Because Jesus is raised from the dead. He says we're supposed to yearn for it. That should be your heart's desire. Everything that's above. If it's above, that's where your desire should be set. That's what it tells us, right? For where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all honor and power and authority. Now verse 2. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. Whew, that's good stuff. Amen. Feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm. So many Christians want to go down to the lobby and gnaw on a hot pocket. Right? When they're seated at the throne and they have room service to bring them a filet mignon. Why you want to go to the lobby and gnaw on a hot pocket and burn your mouth? Because don't, don't look at me that way. You know if you ever ate a hot pocket, you burned your mouth. Right? You did. You did. So don't do that. Right? We, we, have, we can feast on the treasures of heaven. Praise God. You know, Psalm 23, it tells us this. It says, He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And that table's loaded down with everything you could ever need in this life. Amen. It is loaded down. He prepares a table before me. I don't even have to leave my seat to go get food. It's hibachi. <laughs> Cooking it up right in front of you. Right? Some of y'all must not like Japanese food because I love it. I mean, I'm, I'll go anytime you want to go. You holler at me, we're going. Right? You don't have to leave your seat to get the food. It's made right in front of you. And here's what I love. The devil, Satan, he has to sit there and watch you eat. And he don't get to eat. <laughs> God's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And Satan has to just stand there and watch you eat. How many of you know if you're really hungry, there ain't much worse than watching somebody else eat? Right? Part of the torment the devil goes through is he has to sit there hungry and watch you eat. Praise God. Hallelujah. Feasting on the treasures of heaven because we're far above. Amen. This verse 2 in the Amplified can we look at that? Colossians 3, 2 in the Amplified. It says, And set your minds and keep them set on what is above the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Set your minds and keep them set. That second part's important. It's one thing to set your mind. It's another thing to keep it set. Right? It reminds me of when I was in school. You'll probably remember this. When you were in school and they had the boxes over the thermostat. Right, because they'd have the one teacher, she's having hot flashes, so she wants to turn the air way down. And the other teacher's freezing out, so she wants to turn the air way up. Right, and they'd be fighting over it all day long. But so they, what they do is the janitor goes and he puts a lock on it, so those teachers will leave it set. Right? So when we get in the Word, the Word will, will, will be like a box on your mind, and it'll keep it set on the heavenly things. Right? So we have to keep it set, though. You're, you've got, you're the only one with the key. If the thermostat gets changed, it's on you. There's no janitor to call, right? We have to set our minds and we have to keep it set on the Word. Amen? Set it above. Because we're setting it from the highest place. 
right? When, when, you're, when you're setting your mind on what's going on around you, you're setting yourself in the lowest place. There's nothing, there's nothing lower, really, than this natural world. This is as dead as you and I are ever going to get. Right? To leave this body is to be more alive than we've ever been. We win. There's no such thing as losing if you're a believer. Right? Paul says it'd be better for me if I go, but he said, no, I'm going to stay here for you. Right? Because he knew it's far better. Right? Praise God. But we, so we, we got to set our minds on the higher place. Set our minds where we're seated and not in this natural realm where we can look around. Go back to um, 2 and 3 there in the, in the Passion. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. You know, all this world is is a bunch of distraction. We probably live in the most distracted generation that's ever existed. Uh, I know Tiffany has to tell me all the time, put my phone away because work, if you let now work, used to you would go to work and then you would come home from work. And when you were home from work, you were home, right? But now work comes home with you on your hip. Right? You have a computer at home, you have a tablet at home, you have a phone at home, and all work just wants to follow you around. And so we're distracted. We're so distracted. And so it tells us to not, uh, to, to set our minds on the heavenly realm, not on the distractions that we see here in this natural realm. Don't get distracted. Do not get distracted. We have to refuse to let the temporal distract us from the eternal. And that's a decision you and I have to make. Again, you have to put the lock on the thing. You've got to put the box on it. Put it in the box. And leave it. You know, people talk about thinking outside the box. I want to think inside the box. And the box is the Word. Right? I don't want to think anything outside of the box of the Word. Right? We should keep our minds in the box. Keep it regulated. Set it and keep it set. Refuse to be distracted. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, verse 7 says this in the Amplified Bible. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. Once and for all. On Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Amen. Casting all your cares. This, this word care in the Greek actually means divided attention. That's what it means. Divided attention. It means uh, distractions, right? So in other words, in order to keep our minds off the distractions of this natural realm and keep our minds set and keep it set on the higher place, the higher realm where you and I are really at, right? We see this, but Jesus sees it, I mean, God sees it, us seated in Jesus, right, at the higher place. And so we have to cast all of that distraction away. Amen. Once and for all, you've got to just cast it away and get rid of it. When it comes back, what do you do? Cast it back out. Same thing you do when the cat's supposed to be outside and he keeps trying to come in. Right? When the cat sneaks in, what do you do? You chase the cat down, you throw the cat back outside. Right? So when the care tries to come back in, you've got to cast it back out. you just got to keep at it. You can't, you can't give up and just let the cat sleep on your bed because you were too lazy to get him out of the house. I'm not a cat person in case you didn't notice. Right? But if a cat's sleeping on your bed, it's because you let the cat sleep on your bed. 
The cat didn't get go out and make his own key. <laughs> he doesn't even have opposable thumbs, Brother Sean. Right? The cat, the cat can't get in unless you let the cat in. And the cat can only stay in if you let him stay in. The care of this world, the distractions of this world only get in your mind and stay there when you let them get in there and stay there. There's nobody to blame but you if your mind's squirrely. Nobody. Nobody. You're the only one. You have the key to the box. You can set it and keep it set, or you can let it, or you can take the thing off and let everybody and everything come along and push the buttons. I mean, you know, if you, if you didn't have a box on it in a kindergarten room, kids love buttons. You give a kid a button, he's going to push every one of them. I can tell you about the five-year-old that lives in my house, right? Love to push those buttons, right? So if you don't keep it regulated, somebody else is going to be changing it for you all the time. That's why some of you are so easily offended. Yeah, you get offended because you're just letting everybody else push your buttons. You don't get offended if you've got a box lock on it. If you've got your mind seated far above and you're keeping it set there, you don't get offended. You don't care what color the carpet is. You don't care what kind of car your pastor drives. Yeah, you don't care what somebody says on Facebook. You don't care what somebody thinks about your hairdo. You don't care. You quit caring about because you've cast all the cares... On him because he cares for you. See, all that to do is trying to divide your attention. It's just trying, it's a flashy object trying to get your attention. You know, you can catch a raccoon by just putting something flashy. Right? Raccoons, they'll go after anything flashy. You, get, you know, put a disco ball in a cage, they're going for it. Right? Not because they're wanting to party, but because it's shiny. Right? They'll chase the shiny object all day long. And so many Christians are just chasing every shiny object that comes along. Any preacher that comes on TV, right? Just listen to anybody and anything. Just do whatever the world's pushing at you. It's okay because the world says it's okay. Right? If Kim Kardashian says it's cool, then I guess it's cool. I'm almost embarrassed that I even know her name. But it's true, if you, don't, if you don't set it and keep it set, every, you're letting everybody else push the buttons. And that's why you're getting easily distracted and easily offended and easily tormented and you let every little thing bother you. The devil will make sure you keep your, deten- your attention divided and not centered on God, on the higher place. In verse 4, Colossians 3 verse 4 in the, in the Passion again, this one, will, this one don't set you on fire, your wood's wet. Verse 4, and as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in his glory. See, I don't have any glory of my own, but I do have his glory. And when I see who he really is, what I'm really doing is I'm seeing who I really am. See, if you don't know who you are, you don't know who Jesus is. You can say you do, but you don't. Because if you knew who Jesus was, it tells us right there. When you know who Jesus really is, when you know the real Jesus, you know the real you. Let me, let me let you in on a little secret. You're not your background. You're not where you grew up, the town you grew up in. You're not your family members. Praise God for that for some of us, right? 
You're not the school you attended or didn't attend. You're not your degrees and your education. You're not your skin color. You're not your gender. There's nothing holding you back but this right here. Because when you see Jesus, the real Jesus, who Jesus really is, you get to find out the real you. Some of you need to be introduced to yourself. Yeah, you need to know who you really are. You don't know who you really are because you haven't seen who Jesus really is yet. Because when you see who Jesus, when you see Jesus for who he really is, suddenly you see the real you. Who you really are will also be revealed. And when that's revealed, you notice, wait, what's all this glory? (laughs) I didn't know all this glory was around me. Well, it's because you're looking at this skin suit instead of looking at the higher place where you're seated. Right? Praise God. James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25 says it this way. James 1 and 22 it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How many of you know if you can, if you can lie to yourself, you're a pretty good liar? <laughs> right? You got to be pretty dece- You got to be pretty messed up to deceive yourself. Because I don't know about you, because I've never been able to do a magic trick on me. <laughs> right? I mean, you can tell yourself a lie, but you know it's the lie. Right? So he says, if you're, he said, if you're so messed up that you would hear the word and not do the word, you're really messed up because you can lie to you're, you're deceiving yourself. How many of you know it doesn't get much worse than being able to deceive yourself? Right? So he says this, do not, um, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, or we could say, and keeps it set, right? Continues in it, and it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So we're supposed to look at the law of liberty. And here's the thing, we're supposed to look in this mirror of the word and we're supposed to see Jesus and when Jesus is really revealed to us, then the real us is revealed. See, but so many believers are looking at it like it's a, you know, one of those carnival mirrors, right? You know the ones that, you know, it, it makes you look short and fat or it makes you tall and skinnier, it makes you look crooked. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all looking at me like a cow at a new gate. Like, I've never been to a carnival. Well, let me just tell you, because I have. I've been a couple county fairs and a hayride and a carnival. We'll throw that one in there too, right? I've been in front of one of those weird mirrors, right? And it distorts your picture of who you are. And if that was the only mirror you ever had, you might think you're really short and really fat or really tall and really skinny or really crooked, right? That's the only way you've ever seen yourself, if that's the only mirror you've got. And so many believers are looking through this, this lens of religion at these carnival mirrors, and they're seeing a distorted view of who they really are because they're not seeing the real Jesus. They're seeing a religious Jesus. They're seeing a Jesus in form of some sort. right? They're, they're, they're hearing about Jesus, but they're not knowing Jesus. 
And so when we know the real Jesus, we suddenly see the real us. So it's a mirror. The liberty, the law of liberty is a mirror. So when we look at it, we're supposed to see Jesus. Don't look at the mirror and see your own ugly mug. Right? Look at the mirror and see Jesus. The Word is a mirror, and we're supposed to see who we are in Jesus. Right? The Christians, the believers, again, there's the ones that see it as the carnival mirror, and then there are others who don't even see a mirror. They see a window. And they're looking out of this window at stuff that's way far off, stuff that's unattainable, Stuff that's out in, you know, there, it's, it's way over yonder, over glory, crossing the sweet by and by, over Jordan, all that good mess. Right? They got all kinds of songs about it. I grew up Methodist. We've heard all the songs, haven't we, Andrew? Heard all the songs. Sweet by and by and swimming over Jordan and grandmama will be there to kiss me on the forehead, Brother Sean. All that good stuff. Right? So they're just seeing it as something that's unattainable. Again, they're not looking at the law of liberty because when you see the law of liberty, it's a mirror and it shows you who Jesus is. And when you see who Jesus is, who you really are is revealed. Right? Praise God. They have access to so much more than they realize. It's reachable. It is reserved in heaven. But guess what? We're in heaven. Right? We're not there physically, but spiritually we're there. We're there. You know, think of it like a Zoom meeting. Thank you, COVID. All right. You, some of y'all never heard the word Zoom until COVID came along, right? And now you're Zoomed out. You know, we do Zoom meetings all the time at work now because now they know that they can, right? So now we, we Zoom all the time. But so it's like, I'm not really in this meeting, but virtually, I guess you could say, I'm in this meeting. Like we're all maybe in different locations, but we're all in the same meeting. Can't reach out and touch Brother Sean through a Zoom meeting, but I can see him and I can talk to him. Right? We're in the same meeting. Same thing's true. Spiritually, you're seated in heaven right now. You can reach out and talk to Jesus anytime. You can reach out and talk to the Father anytime. Right? You're seated in Him right now. Amen? Just because you're not physically there doesn't mean you're not there. But there are things that are available to us that we don't take advantage of. I'll tell a story uh, when, of course, I've been around for a long time. Tiffany and I started, uh, you know, I guess almost 20 years. I guess 20 years we've been together, or maybe a little more. Uh, but Bethany, so Bethany, how were you like then? How did that make you like a teenager? 13 years old, something like that. So, uh, and like I was literally there the day Dylan was born. So we call him our practice son. <laughs> Love you, son. He turned out pretty good. I think we can get him at race too. Um, <laughs> but when Bethany was a teenager, so my dad was a um, my dad was a truck driver at that time. He still he manages the truck company now, but then he was a driver. And when he would drive late at night, uh, the Christian radio station was always doing giveaways. Because it was late at night, there's not a lot of people calling in. So my dad won stuff, like, as often as they would let him. Like, he was on the horn, buddy. He had them on speed dial. If they had something given away, he just punched the button and he won it. So he won these passes to Igthus Music Festival in Lexington. And um, back then, that was, man, that was all that, right? So all the big names were coming. So I think Tiffany and I went to, uh, we tried to go to Switchfoot. That's how old we are. <laughs> We tried to go to Switchfoot, and, like, the traffic was so crazy. I don't think we ever even made it in the door. We could hear it through our window. <laughs> but, like, so Tiffany's like, well, I can't go back. I don't know what we were going back for. Anyway, for some reason, I could go, and she couldn't go. And Bethany's like, well, I want to go. She's 13, right? She wants to go see all these guys. So I take Bethany. So Bethany and I, I think plus one was there. <laughs> Bethany was a big plus one fan. I love my sister. I, I love to aggravate her a little bit. We got the same sense of humor. But anyway, so 
we go to Ichthus, and we have these wristbands that got us in access or whatever. We sat there the whole time. We watched. Great. It was a great concert. We got all kinds of concerts all day long. Like, all day long, we got to go. As we're leaving that afternoon, we walk by, and we see this tent. And this tent was for if you had a blue wristband, you got access behind the stage to meet the bands. Guess what color mine and Bethany's wristbands were? Blue. And all day long, we sat in the heat and in the mud and watched them from far off. When all along, we had access behind the stage, and we didn't know it, so we didn't take advantage of it. Right? So many Christians are doing that. You're seated, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but you're looking at it like it's far off and unattainable because you don't know that you're in Christ. And you don't, when, when the, He's really revealed, the real you's revealed. Amen? In Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, um, and I'm going to try to wrap it up. I'm running out of time. Acts chapter 20, verse 22, says this. Paul's telling them about what the Spirit's telling him is coming. And it says, um, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. None of these things move me. Amen. We've heard it said this way. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what God says. Right? None of these things move me. doesn't matter what I see, what I smell, what I touch, what I feel. Right? None of those things matter. None of these things move me. I am immovable. Right? I am seated and I'm going to remain seated. Not going to be moved off of it. Amen? I'm going to fulfill my race and my ministry with joy. See, here's the thing. The reason the distractions come, the reason Satan comes, he's trying to move you off your seat. He's trying to move you off your seated position. See, your seating will change your situation if you refuse to let your situation change your seating. Let me say that again. Your seating will change your situation if you refuse to let your situation change your seating. See, faith is not, some, it's not to get something. Faith is, a, is you figuring out, getting the real Jesus revealed to you, seeing the real you for the first time, and realizing that I already have it. I'm not trying to get it. I've already got it. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Right? Big difference. Big difference. We already have it. We have to be seated and we have to stay seated. Amen? Faith works in the seated place. Faith works in the seated place. Faith doesn't work down here in the nasty here now and now. Right? Faith works in the seated place. You know, the throne is a resting place. When you're seated on the throne, you're resting, right? I really believe that rest is really the highest form of faith. Because when you're really in rest, you're really in faith, nothing's bothering you, right? Nothing's... The, one of the greatest things about having kids is that I don't have to get up and find the remote anymore, Brother Sean. All I've got to do is say, hey, Emmett. It doesn't matter if he's in another room, right? 
He comes in because Daddy said so. And I say, can you get the remote for Daddy? Right? And he gets it for me. I never have to leave my seated place, my place of rest, to get what I need. All I've got to do is call for it. Some of y'all don't realize that your kids can do that for you. You just got a revelation this morning, right? So all you got to do is call for it. I don't have to get out of my seated place. All I got to do is call for it, right? If you've, if you've heard Dr. Preach at all, you've heard talk about angels. They're working for us. Amen. They're not, they're, they, they are listening for you. They're waiting for you to tell them to do something. They will, wherever they're at, they'll come from the other room to get what you need and bring it to you. You never have to leave your seated place. Amen. We have help. Aren't you glad we have help? You know what's funny? Satan doesn't have a seat. Satan does not have a seat. See, he tried to take God's seat, and he failed. The Bible says he looked up, and pride was found in him, and he's like, oh, God's seat is purdy. I want God's seat. So I'm going to lift myself up there, and I'm going to take God's seat. Well, that was the dumbest thing you could ever do. Right? Go up against the person that created you, the person with every, all the power and all that's ever existed. Right? You're going to go up against him? Really? It's pretty dumb. Devil isn't that smart. We give him too much credit. He's not that smart. He tried to overthrow God. I mean, that's about as dumb as you get. He tried to take God's seat and he failed. So he hates that you have a seat and it was given to you. So he's trying to get you off your seat because he doesn't have a seat. But here's the thing. You've got to quit being distracted by him. Quit letting the cat make you get up so it can sit in your seat. Right? Stop playing musical chairs with the devil. Right? Just stay seated. He can't take the seat. If he could, he would have already done it. He cannot have your seat. You have to get up if he's going to have a place to sit down. And I'm not about to give him my seat. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Last verse. Romans chapter 5. In verse 17. Romans 5, 17. We're going to read in the Amplified first. For if because of one man's trespass, that's talking about Adam, lapse or offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, His unmerited favor and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with Himself, Reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So I'm not a king because I wanted to be a king or because I took the seat for myself, right? You're reigning as a king because you're doing it in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, right? That's the, that's the kicker. You're not reigning just because of who you are. You're reigning because you're sitting in the reigning one, Right? And now look at this in the Passion. I like how it says it too. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now how much more? Everybody say, how much more? How much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying... I'm going to enjoy my redemption, doctor. Amen? 
enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. We're reigning in Him. We're reigning through Him. Amen. We're to reign in life as kings. Kings don't leave the throne to go get a hot pocket. Kings call for it and it's brought to them. Kings don't get tore up because there's some guy that comes in with a sword because he's got angels to defend him. Right? He's not distracted by everybody that comes in with a pea shooter. Right? We, he's seated and he stays seated. You're a king because you're in Jesus. You sit down and you stay seated. You stay seated. You know, the Bible says that, um, that Jesus is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Right? He's the king, capital K, over the king, lowercase k. He's the Lord, capital L, over the Lord, lowercase l. Not that I'm special, but because I'm in Him, I'm a king, lowercase king, but I'm a king. That just told me I am. Right? And so I can reign in life as a king because I'm seated in the king. I can reign in life as a Lord because I'm seated in the Lord. Amen? We just have to stay seated. We just have to stay seated. Amen. Have to stay seated. Just got to say what the Word says and stick with it. Set your mind. Keep it set. Stay seated. Don't get up for anybody or anything. Because all your help is in the seated place. Everything you need is available to you, but it's only available to you when you stay seated. When you try to get up and earn it and work for it, you'll never get it. You'll never get it. You can't earn it. If you could earn it, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. But He did come because we needed His help. Amen? Praise God. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.